Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of I Take Bravo Very Seriously. This is the bonus episode that I promised you guys, where I cover the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Miami from Wednesday night. Um, Happy Friday. I hope you guys had a really great week and had a chance to listen to episode three. We covered um, the Real Housewives of Potomac, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion, because it was just so hard not to cover some of it, especially because so much of it was in the news. We talked about uh, Rachel Goes Rogue, we talked about the Valley teaser, there was quite a bit and a ton of news in the Bravoverse um, this week, so definitely give episode 3 a listen, Um, but listen to this one too, because we're talking about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Real Housewives of Miami, and I feel like we finally got some meteor episodes, so that was really great. Um, So let's get into the episode. Name them. That what? Name them. Well, what name you em. did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having. Name uh, well, be quiet. So name let em. me talk, Jesus. Okay, so this week on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the ladies are going to Spain. Um, we spend a good portion of the episode seeing the ladies get ready and pack. Um, Garcelle's so funny because she's saying how she can't believe she's traveling with glam and it seems so excessive. And I love how she's still so humble, right? Like all the other ladies, they have no shame in their game with their glam. And then you have someone like Lisa Barlow being like, I have glam in Saint-Tropez. I have glam in Barcelona. I have glam everywhere in Monaco. And crying over it while Garcelle is like embarrassed about it. So like, I just still love that about her. She, she keeps it humble. Um, we see Avi, Avi, sorry, wheeling Sutton around on her suitcase. I think they are so cute together, and I would, like, totally watch a spinoff show of the two of them. I find their relationship odd, but hilarious to watch. They're just so fun. Um, so Sutton is explaining to him that he can't come, but she's bringing her glam, Avi, not Avi, but obviously, and she also says she's bringing Merce. And I'm like, who is that? So apparently he is a deceased dancer, uh, world-renowned choreographer that Sutton was close to. She apparently used to be a dancer for um, six years, and she worked for him in his studio. I just find it so fascinating that we're still learning so much about Sutton, and I wonder if it's because she spent, I don't recall how many years, maybe one or two years as a friend of. And when you're a friend of, you don't get as much into their like personal background stories. Um and maybe that's why we're finding out a little more about Sutton. I actually found out quite a bit about Sutton in this episode that I didn't know before. So yeah, I wonder if it's because now that she's a main cast member, it's sort of weird and too late for people to ask you about yourself later on, or for us to maybe find out about her life later on. Um, She says she's had his ashes for 12 years, and she wants to release them in a significant place. So she's going to bring them with her. Um, So hilarious, because Avi is like very carefully trying to put um, this box of ashes like or packet for her. He's like horrified. These ladies fly commercial, which I think is interesting, but Dorit is wearing a $1,200 pajama set on the plane. Um, They land 12 hours later, and then they get on a bus, and Sutton says she wants to play a game, and it's called All of a Sutton. And everyone's like, of course you want to do a game that's all about you. So she says, name one of my cats, or one of my cat's names, and somebody says Prince. And then she asks, what was my first job in New York? And the ladies are coming up with these, like, horrendous things, and it turns out it's a nanny. And she asks, what is my father's name? And Crystal says, Mr. Sutton. (laughs) And Erica knew it. It was John. And then she's like, name of my middle child. And someone said, Philip. What what middle child, Sutton? Again, a new thing I've learned about you. I thought you had two children. What What is this third child? So... Again, learning new things about Sutton. And then she was like, what is my second car that isn't a Bentley? And it was like some FX4 type thing. And then she says that 
the winner is going to get a prize. And the winner was Erica, which was actually pretty interesting because, you know, like think about Erica and Sutton's relationship from the beginning, like literally like oil and water. And you would think that they would have gotten along because of they were both from Southern backgrounds, but the whole legal thing just threw Sutton off and these two women were at odds for years. And now the winner of a game about Sutton is Erica. I just think that's so sweet. But but Sutton's like, okay, Garcelle's like my best friend. She should have known all of the answers. And Garcelle is sort of like to the camera, I mean, like, you know, she's got a lot going on and I'm, I'm doing my best as her friend. Um, the prize is a gift from Sutton's store. It's like a crown that says c'est moi or something. It was fine. Um, so they get to the chateau where they're staying. And I believe that Sutton had set up this whole trip. Um, they're being told that it was built in the 14th century, and Erica says, oh, so Jesus time's up in here. That led to some dead silence. Like, I always just love when a housewife reminds you that they are a housewife. Okay, so um, Erica, or a lot of the ladies start to think that this house is kind of haunted, and there's just, like, a, a weird vibe here, and Erica says that she has the ability to smell spirits. This I've never heard about before. Like, she's definitely talked about... Um, going to psychics in the past and having been like a boy in a different life and things like that. But I didn't know she was into that kind of thing. And what does that mean? What do they smell like? And is she smelling them there? Because is this house haunted? I, I want to know more. Um, Anna Marie says like, you know, who goes first in a horror movie? And you know, Angersel's <laughs> like, well, between me and Anna Marie, like, I hope she goes first. Um, and the person who's like running the chateau or like leading them around or whoever she is, she's like, um, there's little people, but they are friendly. And then we get no more information on these little people. Like, that sounds absolutely terrifying. Is it, like, little ghosts? Is it, like, baby ghosts? Is it, like, uh, are these child ghosts? Are they, is it Village of the Damned? Like, what is this? And so it's it, it was kind of funny to watch all the women, like, just sort of be terrified and afraid to go to sleep at night because of the rooms and the haunted nature of it. I just wish we got a little more backstory as to, you know, why it's haunted and what it's haunted with. I just, I just love hearing those kinds of stories. I think it's so fun. Um... So then everybody's glam shows up and I just think it's so funny. Like everyone's showing up um, as if, you know, it's not just these women on the trip. Like, like we're taking down the fourth wall and I love that. Um, Erica says that she doesn't need ghosts and little people in her life. She's on medication and she's trying to stay stable. I don't know what that means. I mean, <laughs> I guess she's just trying to like keep it even. And if she had um, some extraterrestrials in her life, it just may not keep her on the up and up. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so then Dorit goes into Kyle's room and Kyle, and she's sort of looking through what Kyle had packed and she's like, Kyle, you brought like pleather and like rhinestones and leather. And Kyle's like, yeah, like I bring like to bring a variety and you know, if my clothes are hookerish, like that's not a big deal. And Dorit's like, who is this new Kyle? And this is again, Dorit, like trying to figure out what's going on with Kyle, but also feeling a sense of resentment because every time she discovers something new about Kyle, even if it's her the clothing that she's bringing on a trip and that's clothing that is unexpected by Dorit. She feels like, who is this person and why, and what happened to my friend Kyle? Like, why don't I know you? Why don't I know what's going on with you? And she's like, she's got an amazing body. I get it. But like, why, what are you thinking when you're packing things like this? And she actually says to the camera, are you thinking about finding your next husband in Spain? Okay. So when Kyle sees this, which I'm sure she has by now, she's going, I, I think that's it for them. Like, you know, Kyle has been saying, 
recently, like on her Amazon Live and, and um, other platforms, that her and Dorit were not as close as Dorit is making it seem, um, which is surprising. I think a lot of people thought that they were quite close friends, right? But Kyle's kind of playing it like that was really just for the cameras. I don't know if that's true or not. I really thought like her and PK and um, Mauricio and Kyle like spent a lot of time together, but Kyle is saying that that's not the case. And making a comment about like finding your next husband at a point where in time where they're not actually separated yet publicly or privately they're at this point they're still just going through their struggles which she has expressed to Dorit and she's been very what's the word like not apprehensive to talk about it but she's been like annoyed about it with like Sutton keep bringing up like what's going on in her marriage and that kind of thing so to make a comment like that or like are you looking for your next husband like I don't think Kyle's gonna take kindly to that and I really think Dorit said that out of resentment for just where her relationship is going with Kyle and I feel like this have, may have been the nail in the coffin um I say that no pun intended given that they are in a haunted house but I don't know I I just thought that that was in poor taste um more ghost stuff like Garcelle is saying like I don't play with that shit like in Haiti there's voodoo and witchcraft and she would hear stories about um like someone dying and then ghosts coming out of the coffin and she's just like no 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 so like everybody is seriously terrified of this house but like nobody's asking to leave if you think about it right like nobody's like Sutton how dare you have set this chateau up this is so unfair which is funny because something like that would happen if like the room were not up to par or the food were not good or there were no food but not happening because these women are genuinely fearing for their lives. But that's okay. Um, they get greeted by a chef named Storm, who is young and hot. And um, Garcelle says, like, Erica, we can tag team him later. And it just made me think about the Marco Vega situation I talked about on um, yesterday's episode with Brandy and uh, the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls trip and him suing uh, for, like, trying to, like seduce him and touch him or whatever and so like but honestly like this always happens on these housewives shows right there's like a young hot guy and all the women sort of swarm around him but that's just i just hope another lawsuit doesn't happen that's all i'm saying um sutton decides to bring her friend in a box her friend uh merce to dinner to meet the women and so basically he's in a box and inside the box is a ziploc bag and his ashes are in that bag and kyle cannot get over the fact that he is in a ziploc she's like he's in a ziploc he's in a ziploc i, I cannot believe this you've known him your whole life and he was in a ziploc um erica says she feels like a loser for not knowing who he is i don't know who he is apparently a very famous choreographer dancer and sutton just goes into this whole like diatribe about him just talking about how she had worked for him and he would cook for her at his apartment and she would water his plants. Um, she said that the first call she got when her father died was from him and he was this person who liked her for who she was. He didn't mind her quirkiness and he was one of the most important men in her life and you can tell that she really idolized him. I thought this was really interesting. You can see that there's like true pain in her eyes when she speaks of him and she is a person who is a little quirky. She knows it. It's not unaware to her and it's not not constantly said to her by other cast members and other people, right? So to have someone in your life who makes you feel very normal um, for who you are when other people make you feel like you're not would feel like a very comforting feeling. So I, we learned a lot about Sutton, right? Um, so they're eating a tapas style dinner and these women are literally orgasming over the food. And I think it's just salmon, right? Like, I don't get like that over salmon, but they're like going crazy. All right. And then we get into the crux of the episode, like Anne-Marie. So she's like, all right, well, there's an elephant in the room and I need to get something off my chest. And she says that, first of all, that she and Sutton talked and she hopes they're in a better place. And Sutton's like, yeah, like the esophagus stuff. That's fine. The comments, though, that you made about me being lonely and secure, that I didn't like. 
And Sutton is, was like, I was more lonely during my marriage because like he traveled a lot and when he was home, he was sleeping. So you shouldn't have used the word lonely. And Garcelle also said it offended her too because she's single as well. And she's saying like, just because you're single doesn't mean you're lonely. And this is so something I resonate with. I have been single a very, very long time and people always, always assume I am lonely. And I will tell you that when I was in my last long-term relationship, I have never felt more lonely in my life. Like I used to drive to the nearby parking lot of Walmart just to cry in the car because I just felt so alone in that relationship. He never made me feel loved. He never made me feel like he even liked me, quite frankly. And so I don't feel that now whatsoever because I really enjoy myself and my friends and the things around me. And I, I just really never have that feeling of loneliness and that is something I've really, really worked on over the years because I've lived by myself for a very, very long time. So it definitely did take some getting used to, but it's just not something I feel. And it's very annoying when people make that assumption that your life is sad or that there's something wrong with you or that you must feel a certain way because you're not in a relationship. But again, you can be very lonely and in a relationship and your life can also be very full and not in a relationship. So I totally get this. Um, I find it one of the most annoying things anyone has ever said to me and is constantly still said to me. So I totally, totally, totally get where Sutton and Garcelle is coming from. But Anna Marie uh, apologizes. And sorry that I keep switching between Anne Marie and Anna Marie. That's because apparently she goes by both. So I am just going to keep alternating as I talk because I'm not really sure what to call her, but apparently she goes by both. So she apologized, but then she like sort of came in hot. She's like, I apologized and I, uh, we've been through this. But then she switches gears. She moves over to uh, Crystal and she's like, when I first met Crystal over the holidays through a mutual friend, we we're having dinner. And Anne-Marie said that Crystal told her that the ladies, the other ladies on the show, were uneducated and shallow and not intelligent. And the ladies were all kind of like, well, that's ridiculous. Like we're all educated. And in Dorit's confessional, she's like, okay, well... Crystal, like when you were busy marrying at 12, the rest of us were building businesses and going to college and basically calling her a child bride or does call her a child bride. Um, that just shows, again, so much resentment on Dorit's part. Like, it's just so interesting that she's saying this kind of thing, given the stage that her relationship is in right now. Like, she's been very forthcoming that her and PK have been having a rough year. We've been seeing them in therapy this season. So, like, Dorit, that's rich coming from someone who's literally going through it in their marriage right now, right? Like, yes, um, Crystal and Rob have a 20-year age difference, and yes, she married him young, um, but that doesn't mean that she is a child bride. She was an adult, and it's, it's just, like, a very rude thing to say. And at that point in time, like, or still, Crystal has said that she didn't say it. So, like, Garcelle flat out asked Crystal, like, did you say that, Crystal? These are Crystal's exact words. I would not say that to someone I just met. I do not feel that way. But it, it wasn't really a no. <laughs> and then the producers actually flash back to Crystal saying in 2020 that the women are not highly educated. So it's funny because the, like Crystal has implied that the women weren't smart before by saying things like, oh, you don't understand my big words. And when she was using certain words like, um, what was that word she used? Uh, violate. And she was like telling them to look, Google it and look it up in the dictionary. So she has always sort of given like an air of you know, it, like, you know, I'm above you when she's talking about, like, vocabulary specifically. Um, but Amory says that Crystal said that the ladies were also fake socialites and she is the only one true socialite in the group. And Sutton says, well, we all know I'm a socialite. It's funny, like, I haven't heard this word in so long. 
this is how we used to describe people like Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, back in those sort of days, like the elite sort. You know what they were? There were Nepo babies. I think they were the original Nepo babies was a socialite, basically. But yeah, it was sort of like even like the Gossip Girl stuff, like going to Cotillion and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but anyways, like apparently said this word and Dorit says that she thinks Crystal would say something like that. Um, and some of them are like, well, I wouldn't even want to be a socialite. And Dorit says like to the camera that like, this is Crystal's excuse for not being interesting and being boring because her intellect is too high. Again, I, I don't know where this like tension between Dorit and Crystal came from out of all of a sudden, but Doristal, or sorry, Doristal, <laughs> Dorit is coming for Crystal hard. Um, Crystal goes, it's offensive that you guys are asking me this, but like, I didn't say those things. And they're like, it's not offensive that we're asking you. Like these things were alleged. We need to ask you. And Anne-Marie's like, Crystal, you need to make people think you're better than them. And Crystal's like, who are you? Like, I've met you six times in my life. And Anne-Marie's like, you aren't being honest. Um... Kyle says in her confessional that Crystal is usually pretty reserved and has never seen her respond like that, um, which is true. Like, we've definitely seen Crystal, especially this season, be a lot more reserved and try not to get into things. But at the same time, Anne-Marie is, like, bringing her into things, right? Um, and then Crystal sort of keeps asking the girls that they think she would say things like that. She's like, do you think I would call myself a socialite? And I've actually taken courses on, like, how to tell if someone's a liar. And it's, if someone answers your question with a question and or the, and answers it with like why would I do that that's not necessarily an admission of guilt but it, it at least shows like some tension on them that that the answer isn't a straightforward answer because when they're just answering your question with a question they're not really answering your question they're trying to flip it back on you um so I think that that's sort of interesting but this whole thing sort of gave me a little flavor of Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy and the reason I say that is because when Anne-Marie brought this up about Crystal, none of the women seemed to flinch much, right? It was almost as if they were like, yeah, Crystal would say something like that. So it just made me think of back when um, there was speculation that Lisa Vanderpump was putting information in the news about Dorit and giving up the dog, Lucy, Lucy, Apple, Juicy, and everyone was just like, yeah, we totally think Lisa would do something like that. And there was just sort of no just sort of a knowing glance that everyone sort of gave each other that, yeah, that's 100% true. So that was just sort of giving me that same vibe here. Um, Crystal says to Anne-Marie that, or Crystal says to the camera about Anne-Marie that, like, she says she wants to bring the fun, but she's combative and she's antagonistic. Um, Anne-Marie says that Crystal is acting like a hormonal teenager, and Sutton is like, you don't want to make the little people come out. And I, I kind of do. Like, I want to see what these little people are. I just want some more information here. And then Anne-Marie says to Crystal, I want to thank you for giving you something, or you should be thanking me for giving you something to talk about and making your ass relevant. She has nothing to talk about but me. Okay, Anne-Marie, you literally brought her up, or you came at her at the dinner and said to her, like, you said these things. I'm not saying that she shouldn't have, but I'm just saying, like, Crystal was not talking about Anne-Marie, you know? Um, I, I, so I do think Crystal said these things. Um, and I do think that the other women think that too. I just don't know why they don't seem to care that much. Um, they just don't really seem shocked by it. Um, the next morning, Sutton and Crystal are talking about it. And Sutton is like, so basically Anne-Marie is calling you a liar to the whole group. And then you see a scene of Anne-Marie telling Garcelle that like she doesn't lie. And Crystal would for sure say those things. Um, and Crystal is saying she doesn't think anyone believes it. And then we see Dorit and Erica talking and Erica says that she feels like it has a ring of truth for her. Dorit says she's not really sure. 
Um, but it's just sort of funny that they're sort of on Anne Marie's side now because first they're so annoyed with her, but then they're like, yeah, I mean, why would she make something like that up? Why would she completely make something like that up? But that's also true. Like, that's a very weird thing to just completely make up out of nowhere. Um, and then Erica says to Dorit, like, if we're uneducated and shallow, though, like, why would you be here? But possibly just because she wants to be on the show. I don't know. I mean, we're getting a different vibe, Crystal, to this season, basically that we're not getting much, right? We're getting very few scenes of her. What we are getting of her has a lot to do with her brother and not so much about her. Um, so I don't know why she is on the show and if she plans to continue, but she's definitely taken a step back this season in terms of like getting involved, which is fine. Um, but Anne-Marie is totally like putting her, putting her ass on the fire here. Um, so in the morning, Erica says, she wants to specifically share this with Crystal. She says that she received two decisions that morning on the appeal regarding the earring. She says that the court reversed the turnover order, which means that the court wants the trustee to prove that the money used to pay for the earrings was client money, which she says you can't do. So she sees this as a win because they shouldn't have been taken from her in the first place. And... You know, Erica was saying that, like, the women were so heated at the time about the earrings and not wanting to give them up, but now that she's had this win, the ladies don't really seem to care. And she's kind of annoyed by that and disappointed. But, like, what she doesn't realize, first of all, it's not a win. You're just going to a lower court. But the fact that you even put this on appeal in the first place, like, it's so confusing to me. Like, wherever, even if these earrings were not purchased with client money, they were purchased by Tom, right? And there are victims. So why wouldn't you just want to contribute to the victims anyway? Like, it's not an admission of guilt if you do that. And to fight so hard for these earrings, in my opinion, continues to make you seem shallow and like you don't care about people, not the victims specifically, but why would you be fighting so hard for these earrings that like Tom gave you when the money could easily go elsewhere? And it doesn't mean that you've won anything, right? But I guess in her mind, she feels like this is again more proof that I wasn't involved and I didn't know anything. But I don't think it necessarily proves that. All it proves is that we can't tie these earrings to that money, not that those earrings didn't come from that money, right? So I see why she's disappointed and it's because she sees it as a win and she wants her friends to rejoice with her because all she had, what she says, she has been asking of them this whole time is, just let the process play out. Let the legal process play out. I'll explain when I can. Things will make sense when they can. I will prove everyone wrong. And she feels like now that she's done so, where's the rejoicing? Where are my friends? And it's because the way you acted during that entire time where you like 100% flat out said, like, I don't care about these people. I don't care about victims. Your friends had a really hard time supporting you during that, but they did. And nothing has really changed, right? They, I don't think they ever really thought you knew anything or you were involved, but it was just the way you were acting towards it, right? So they're happy that you've been proved not to be involved, but this new decision has nothing to do with that. It doesn't really affect that. And the decision isn't a decision. It's just a decision, like I said, to go to a lower court to make a decision that will probably never be made. So... I don't know. I mean, and then she could just keep saying like therapy, therapy, therapy. Okay. I mean, maybe her therapist can explain it to her. Cause as you'll recall, like she doesn't even know what empathy is and her therapist literally needed to explain that to her too. So, um, then the ladies are going to go to church and, um, they're in a couple different vans to go there. And on the way, Crystal gets really car sick and her hands swell up and her veins start popping out. And it's, 
so kind of funny because they're sort of at the top of a mountain. There's no help. There's no anything. And the only person who can sort of help Crystal now <laughs> is Anne-Marie, our only resident medical professional in the group, right? So I'm so excited to see what happens next. I just think that's going to be so funny. Um, because <laughs> you know, like She's literally at Anne-Marie's mercy. So I just think this is a really good episode. We got a lot um, here, like I said, more about Sutton. Um, we saw more of the demise of Kyle and Dorit's dynamic, definitely the dynamic between Crystal and Anne-Marie, and that just completely deteriorating. And then we have some new information about Crystal. So I do think Crystal is being a little bit of a liar, and hence the name of the episode. Um, and I love that the producers went back and proved her wrong. I love when they do that. That's sort of one of my favorite things. So I guess we'll see where we go from here, but I'm curious to see if the women decide they want to care about this more in terms of Crystal saying these things or if they're just going to let it die. But let's move on to Real Housewives of Miami. And my that's God, what you why go is it about on. the damn pasta? Get over the damn pasta, read between the f***ing lines. It ain't about the pasta. It's not about the pasta. Okay, so on Miami, we also get a cast trip. So this cast trip is going to Mexico. Um, Larsa had mentioned in the previous episode that she wants to do a tequila tasting there for her tequila brand. Um, the season, or sorry, the episode opens up with, um, Alexia talking to Frankie because there's going to be a saint there that she wants to go visit in a church there. Um, and she wants Frankie to write down, like, some of the things, um, he wants to ask the saint for. And he says money. He is so cute. Like, I literally am obsessed with Frankie. Um, then we have Nicole and Anthony going to pick out marble. Um, she says she's anxious to fly by herself because she has to work. So she's going to be meeting the women there and she's flying commercial because the PJ is in the shop. The PJ is in the shop, you guys. The PJ is in the shop. Um, so Alexia's trip, like this is basically Alexia's trip. She's organizing this thing. Um, Julia says this is her first time going to Mexico and it's also the week of hers and Kiki's birthdays, which would be fun, you would think. Um, so they get on the plane, they get there, they get on a bus, and on the bus, Lisa says this trip couldn't have come at a worse time because she's trying to settle things with Lenny um, before going to court on Monday. So I guess this is just the finalization of maybe their custody and um, the money that he's going to be giving her in terms of spousal support and, and that kind of thing. Um, Gertie said to the ladies that her second surgery went great, but she has to get chemo because she scored high on the archetype test. Um, so then we see the resort and it looks absolutely fabulous. Gertie saying that her doctor said she could drink in Mexico because, um, her chemo doesn't start yet. So she just wants to turn the fuck up. She's so excited. Um, Alexia tells the women that they're going to go on a gondola ride the next day. So they're all just sitting around and eating and drinking. Um, and then they get this really fun news that Adriana is going to be singing her song, Fire at the Pride Festival in Mexico. And so 100,000 people are coming. I love that song. It's sort of all in my head. Like, I, I almost forget that it's not the theme song of this show. Like, Miami's hot, 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 hot fire. Like, it's just so, should be the theme song for this show. Um, and then on Sunday, they're going to do a tequila tasting um, for Lars's brand. And um, Larsa says to Alexia, like, hey, last year you said, like, every time 
I invite you guys to stuff. It's for one of my deals. And Alexia's like, well, yeah, like I'm the only one who has the balls to tell you that. And Lars is like, yeah, but when you said that, it hurt my feelings. And Lars is like, listen, I don't have a Todd. So things aren't all like peaches and cream for me. Like I have to work hard. And like Alexia like blows up and she's like, you don't know what Todd does for me. That's so rude and disrespectful. And Lars is like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm on my own. And Alexia's like, you don't have to take that from me. And so these two women are just like fighting back and forth, completely ruining this first day of this trip. Um, and then you have a scene of Kiki and her confessional being so fucking hilarious, like wiping her face with a dildo and like pretending to cry, like them being like, I don't have a Todd, I don't have a Scotty. And she's just like, I don't have any of these fucking things. I have to pay for everything on my own. It was so funny. She's like, I even had to pay for this dildo. And Lars is like, listen, I have like two homes and four kids. I have double okay, no one said you have to have two homes. Like, I, I don't really know. And she's like, I don't have Scotty or anyone supporting me. And Alexia's like, many of us work. So like, don't try to act like you're better than me because you work. And like, yeah, I have Todd, but Todd, like, you don't know what he does for me. So I totally relate to that as well. Like, I'm single. I have to pay for everything myself, but I would never assume that someone else's situation is different or better or easier than mine just because they have a spouse like you really don't know people's financial situations and didn't we just an episode or two ago find out that or allegedly find out that Alexia and Todd have some financial issues and so you know what like it's it's you just really never know what other people are going through and everybody's situation is different so yes Lars is a single mom but Alexia may also be dealing with financial situations as well. So then the producer is basically asking the ladies, like, who would win in a fight between, like, Larsa and Alexia, and the ladies are giving their different opinions. But honestly, ever since watching The Traders, I would actually say Larsa. She is such a fighter. She will not stop until she gets her way, and I would definitely, definitely pick her to win in a fight. And um, you have Alexia being like, don't talk about Todd. And Lars is like, I was bringing up Todd in a good way. And it's like, you were not bringing up Todd in a good way. Um, okay, and then Adriana brings Kiki and Julia to Adriana's dance rehearsal. And it's sort of um, to keep them away because the other girls are going into town to get cakes for their birthdays. So the other women, we've got uh, Larsa, Alexia, and Gertie, and Lisa. They go shopping. Um... In terms of, like, Larsa and Alexia, they both tell the camera they know they're not going to get an apology from each other, so they're just going to act normal. Then we see Adriana at the rehearsal, and she's saying that she's only going to have this one rehearsal to learn all the choreography and to do this performance at Pride, which sounds absolutely terrifying. So she's got a bunch of male dancers waiting for her, and Kiki's like, this is not going to go well. Like, she's had this one rehearsal, these male dancers suck, she sucks, and I'm scared for her. So... Oh god, like I hope this isn't like an embarrassing moment for her, but I hope it really goes well because I do think that the song is hot, 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 fire. Um, then Lisa and Larsa get a whole scene of the two of them just taking selfies and trying to get the best light. I thought this was pretty funny. And I think Lisa says to Larsa, like, let me see how many selfies you take. Like, let me see your phone, which came up on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City as well this season. So like, yeah, that is definitely something you're gonna get in a housewife. You're gonna get a woman who likes to take a lot of selfies. So literally just a whole scene of a, a cameraman watching these two women just trying to take selfies of each other. Then Larsa says that she has Marcus's passcode because 
her like reasoning is like not trust she says like what if you were with someone who you thought was one person and then you find out that they aren't and you introduce them to your kids and lisa's like yeah you have to have trust but larissa says to the camera like it's not about trust it's about transparency she says that she and marcus both agree that they should have each other's passcodes and women need to check up on our men and see what they're up to um i disagree (laughs) i mean i do think that there's a level of trust i mean if you need to look through your partner's phone that means that you think that there's something to find and why would you think there's something to find if you trust them right that being said i have not been in a relationship for a very long time so maybe don't listen to me but it it just feels a little icky and it feels a little weird and i I don't really know why if they're in a committed relationship and she feels like she trusts him wholeheartedly what she needs to see um so then lisa talks about um trying to get like this deal with Lenny she's basically explaining that he had promised her so much and then he'll be like oh I never said that and he wants to buy a tear down house and build a house for her on that lot Larsa tells the cameraman that like in a power sort of control like like men are sort of who are in power someone like Lenny you know he has the ability to control the narrative of the story and him building her a house is a way of him still controlling her which is totally true and it sort of reminds me of Ashley on um Real Housewives of Potomac because I think Michael either also built her a house or bought her a house I just don't really understand what Lisa's real goal is here right I think what the other women were trying to say in previous episodes was like why don't you just in order to be done with this why don't you just sort of give up on him like and his money right like don't drive his car don't take things from him like don't you want to do things on your own and i just i don't know what the situation is with her i don't know if it's a fear of not being able to financially support herself i don't know if it's a fear of like i don't know if she's ever worked so maybe she's like i know she's doing her perfume thing now but um I don't know if that's enough to like financially support herself or if she has any like background to do any other type of work. Like, I'm just not sure of that. Or if it's like maybe a a power thing for her, not a power thing, but just a, you know, she's so upset with what he's done to her that she, she just wants to get as much from him as possible and make this thing he's done to her as hard on him as possible. Because if it were me and if I could, I wouldn't want the money. I would want to get away as quickly as I could just for my own mental health and well-being and for the sake of my kids but you know if this is truly about just her not being able to financially support herself well then again we know that Lisa wants to financially support herself in a way that is a lot more excessive than most right so it's complicated but at the end of the day like I really hope that she ends this whole thing with him soon again like for her mental health um what else do we have what else so then kiki tells gertie that the other ladies had said in the van earlier that larsa had done an interview about gertie having fake tears and gertie is like okay wait like i already dealt with this with her so is this from a conversation like before we made up or is this like happening now now when i am getting chemo now and gertie's like i don't know like you're gonna have to talk to her about it so then marisol has like this brand of cocktails that she calls cockies because that's what she calls cocktails and she sets up a tasting for the women so basically all the ladies get together there and this is where kiki tells larsa um that she had been triggered earlier when larsa had said that she had wanted alexia and the other women to support her and she wasn't there for her for kiki's event and larsa was like i was on antibiotics and kiki's like yeah but 
like she says to the camera like i haven't really seen any improvements from larsa in terms of their friendship because like you'll remember earlier kiki was sort of saying to her i feel like you're spending all your time with marcus you don't spend any time with me and like i miss our friendship and larsa basically says to the camera like well then she can get a boyfriend right which i think is so rude i think you know a boyfriend is great but like your friends have been there for you longer than that person, especially her relationship with Kiki. And all Kiki wants is just to spend some time with you, just the two of you. Like, the fact that you cannot make any time ever to just spend time with the two of you. and Or, or I think Kiki wants you to want to as well, right? I think that's fair. But you, you have to want to. Um, and Larsa's like, I just want you to know I'm a good friend and I got you a present. Okay, Larsa. That, as long as you say you're a good friend and you got her a present, then you are a good friend. And you got her a present. Um, so then they finish up and they go to this art show and on the bus, on the way to the art show, Lisa says she has this kink where she likes it when someone flirts with her man and the other women are like, that's not a kink. That's like, not what that is. And then she clarifies for the camera, like, just when they flirt with him, not when they like have, when, not when like another woman has sex with my man. That's, that's where I draw the line. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's good. And, and I'm, and I'm glad <laughs> you drew that line there with Lenny. Um, Larsa said that, um, you know, like she just like, likes to get a little bit jealous um, and then, Lar so, sorry, Larsa said that she likes, um, to get a little bit jealous and that her and Marcus are actually very jealous of each other. And then Julia says, oh, what did you do when you grabbed the ass of that girl, that one in Orlando? I don't remember hearing this story. Um, and so I'm gonna have to go read the article, but Larsa's like, oh, we weren't really together then. And I was talking to a lot of guys and he was talking to a lot of girls. Then the producer says to her, you seem so unbothered by this. Why? And she's like, because it happened like way before me. I've known him a long time. We only got together recently. And then Julia says to the camera, like, hmm, okay, so the article came out in November 2022, and the title of the article was, like, Lisa, or sorry, Larsa exclusively dating Marcus after, Marcus Jordan after viral cheating video. Um, and then Julia's like, yeah, but Larsa said she spent the, they spent the holidays together. And then you have Marisol saying, like, Thanksgiving, November, I'm confused. So, I don't know. <laughs> um... I don't know why Larsa is unbothered by it, but she's she has such great face like that, almost like the Kardashians, that she adopted that sort of face from them where you can't read a reaction on her. Or Botox, it's Botox, that's what it is. <laughs> her face doesn't move, right? So I cannot really tell what's going on there, but she's almost a really good liar because she has such good game face. So again, why she is so good on the traders. Um, so they get to this art show and it is the most bizarre art show. So it's like this interactive sort of thing where it's all shirtless men in underwear wearing black masks with bunny ears. And then there's like some paintings and then there's like a piano and there's lasers and there's a dinner table. And the artist is there and he explains that the art is like dreams he has. So it's just like a bunch of like crazy things all put together and then you sit at a table and eat while it's happening. And literally, like, while the women are eating the men, eating and fighting, we'll get into the fight, while the women are, like, eating and fighting, these men are, like, slowly dancing and circling the table in their underwear and black masks with bunny ears, and I think they're holding candles. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. So Larsa goes, we should play a game, you guys. We should play Truth or Dare. And Alexia's like, yeah, yeah. Have any of you guys ever questioned your sexuality? So this is not how Truth or Dare works, but, you know, I, I, I digress. That's fine. Um, Elisa's like, I have. And Adriana's like, well, my ex had a fantasy of me and two guys, but I didn't do it. And Adriana's like, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't go the other way. Like, there's too many smelly cavernous things and um, I, too many other, like, smells going on. And, like, I literally almost threw up. Like, she didn't need to go into so much detail. It almost reminded me of, like, a Mary Cosby talking about, like 
her son having sex. It was just yucky. So then Gertie asks Larsa, truth or dare? And Larsa says, truth. And Gertie says, did you talk about me and fake tears on a podcast recently? And Larsa's like, and I'm just going to read this verbatim because I, I had to watch it so many times because I just really don't understand Larsa's point or what she's saying. So Larsa says, yeah, I said fake tears because I don't know why she was saying I was fake. And Gertie says, physically like you're the fakest of them all and Larsa's like really physically you're fake too and Larsa's like yeah I did an interview promoting my podcast and Gertie's like right so that's what this is all all about then and then the producer is talking to Marisol Marisol's trying to sort of defend Larsa but then the producer like flat out says to Marisol like would you be fighting with a woman who has cancer and is going through chemo and Marisol's like no (laughs) and that's the thing like why is Larsa going so hard at Gertie at a time like this, right? This is the most difficult time Gertie will ever have in her life. And it's a time like, it's when you go through hard times, when you realize who your real friends are, right? Not only has Larsa basically like accused her of lying about her cancer, but has downplayed it, has not been there for her whatsoever, and is starting fights with her. And that's not good for her physically, um, emotionally, anything that's going on with her. It's just so bizarre to me why she's doing that. Um, so the women are fighting and Larsa's like, Gertie, you can only focus on, or Gertie's saying to Larsa, you can only focus on the past. And the artists are playing the piano and the men are like dancing around while this whole thing's going on. Just completely wild. So that's how it ends. <laughs> always ending on a fight. Um, and always a good time. So I, I really hated Larsa until I started watching The Traders and I just saw how good she was there. Apparently in real life, I forget where I heard this, um, maybe it was someone who had gone to BravoCon and said that she's actually really, really nice in person. I don't know, but I think she's going to have to answer quite a bit to Gertie at the reunion, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Defeats! Proof! Timeline! Screenshots! Okay, that's the end of the show, but before I let you guys go, one other thing I forgot um, for Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So after the episode aired, Crystal posted her wedding photo with her and Rob, and she wrote, Keys to a successful marriage. Set aside quality time together. Express love and appreciation. Manage conflict constructively. Buy. Don't borrow diamond necklaces for your wife. Hashtag R-H-O-B-H. I thought that was so funny and such a hilarious dig to uh, Dorit and PK. And then someone commented, don't acquire massive, massive amounts of debt. And Crystal commented, number one. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but Dorit deserved it after um, all of her shade at Crystal in this episode. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You don't have to listen to episodes there but even just subscribing really helps me grow the show so if you could just hit subscribe you don't even have to listen to them there listen to them wherever you like to listen to them please tell your friends about the show and please rate and review I would love it I want to hear what you guys think and send me an email if you want at brunchandbravo at gmail.com I'd love to hear your ideas have a great week